Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on with Dr. Dan Critchett and Dr. Denise Hogan. Second Half Now, sponsored by Dignity Memorial. It's time for Second Half Now. The doctors are in. Here are your hosts, Dr. Dan and Dr. Denise. And welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. And in case you're not sure who that is, right now we're calculating that's anybody over 50. The uh, boomer generation goes from 1946 for birth year up to 1964. And so all the boomers, uh, the youngest of the boomers, turned 50 last year in 2014. I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, along with our lovely and talented co-host, Dr. Denise Hogan. Good to see you again, Denise. Hi there, Dan. You're looking good. How are, we all, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm feeling great. I've been one with my weed eater of late, and oh. that's been wonderful. Yes. All right. Is that therapy? Absolutely. With the weed eater? Yeah. Yes. Lots of things you can do with that in your imagination. <laughs> yeah. We won't go there. No, that's not. You're a psychologist, and you understand how all these things work, right? <laughs> So, Dr. Denise, what is the good word for today? Dan, the good word for today is calling. That is a a term that is used a lot in Christian circles, but do we really understand what Mm. it really means to be called, to have a call, to live into a call? That's what we're going to be looking at today. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because that's what the entire show is about today. No coincidence, right? You knew that ahead of time. Just an accident. Yeah. We're going to introduce our guest in a moment here, but I want to say this, that some people, uh, church-connected people, faith-based people, uh, Christian people, have gone on a short-term mission trip. And those short-term mission trips can be eye-opening, exhausting, rewarding, memorable, even life-changing. Well, I want to say to you today, how about a long-term mission trip without traveling far? Your place of work. So today the topic is Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. And there's that word again, Denise, thank you for bringing it up, God's Holy Calling. Our special guest in studio today is Lee Sellers with Multnomah University. He is the founder, can I say that correctly? You are the founder and chair of Multnomah's new business administration department. And uh, Lee has made a number of presentations at... um, Uh, Christian Chamber of Commerce meetings, and I attended one of his meetings over on campus at uh, Multnomah University, and I find Lee to be uh, very articulate and very passionate about this subject, about God's holy calling in work, and also with that whole business department. So uh, thank you for coming in today, Lee, and welcome to Second Half Now. This is a very important and relevant topic, isn't it? Well, I I definitely believe so. Thanks for having me. I look forward to the opportunity to chat a little bit. Good. And we know you have lots to share, lots more than we can possibly squeeze into our little half-hour segments, two of them. Uh, but we're going to uh, give it a shot here, and we're going to stay on the high points, and but really to lay down some valuable and important principles and, and uh, information about Christians in the workplace, God's holy calling. So, Lee, uh, let's get introduced uh, to our, or introduce you, I guess I should say, to our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what the Business Administration Department at Multnomah University is all about. Okay, great. A little bit about myself. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started a business when I was in junior high school, mowing lawns, and when I went into the Marine Corps, I sold it to one of my employees. It was very large, and 
done a couple other things. Most of my adult life, I was in the real estate sales and, and mortgage financing business. About 15 years ago, through a very interesting set of circumstances, I became an academic and was teaching at a community college uh, here at Clark College over in Washington State and found, talking about calling, I found that I was really called to do that. didn't really completely understand that at the time, but I found some place that I really resonated with, uh, really felt that uh, God had prepared me to be in that field. So for the last 15 years, I've been in higher ed. In the process of being in higher ed, I have de developed programs, not just taught. So I have a background in business. I have a background in program development within higher ed and then as a faculty member. So a little over a year ago, uh, the uh, the position or Multnomah University started looking to bring on a business administration program there, uh, part of the university expansion they've been doing. And I, I applied and got the position, and I've been there since. I like to say it's been going well. It's now the uh, largest undergrad program on campus. So God's blessed it. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, as one who comes also from the higher ed arena, I know that getting a program implemented is no small feat. And uh, I know, Dan, just Dan, through our conversations with Lee, that you have a passion for this whole area of the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so creating a business administration department certainly seems like that's part of your passion, but there's this other thing that you have going on in conversation that it oozes out of you, Lee, and that is this desire for people to understand that intersection between the workplace and our calling as Christians. So I'm hoping that you can start us off by talking a little bit about that, about your passion for Christians in the workplace. Uh, certainly, I'd be very happy to do so. I probably ought to make sure that my bosses aren't listening when I say my primary excitement for being at Multnomah University is not to build a business program. Right. I will qualify that here. Uh, my, my primary passion, the, the thing that really excites me the most about this is that as a means and a methodology to combat what is uh, known by several names in the Christian community. Sacred, secular divide is one of the terms. Uh, Sunday-Monday gap is a term that's used. And what, what we're talking about here is a, a, a disconnect, really, between the average parishioner, congregate sitting in, in church every Sunday. They're serious Christians. They're saved. They want to serve God. But they don't really see how their day-to-day -day lives, Monday through Saturday, really impact God or really connect to what they hear on Sunday. It's a, uh, it's a frustrating thing. I lived it—firsthand, I lived it as a, as a business person— my entire business career, I use the term second-class Christian. I felt that way. And the reason I use that term is I've heard many, many, many people use that exact same terminology. And what that meant was I was a Christian. I was trying to do my business in an honor, honorable, God-ordained you know, uh, way. I was honest. I was transparent. I tried to provide good service. Yet I really didn't see how what I was doing day-to-day -day connected to the broader picture of the theology that I, as I understood you know, the Bible and what God was teaching. I understood serving the church was great. I did Sunday school. I wrote checks. And I tithed. People liked that, especially missionaries and uh, people that need those type of services. But there was just this big disconnect. Well, through a series of events uh, and, and readings and meeting people, I've come to a very different conclusion. And that conclusion really is that we are called specifically and, and, and 
sovereignly by God to be his hands and feet. We, we all understand that terminology. We use it all the time. But when we say hands and feet or salt and light or an image of Christ in the world, it really means in the world, not just in that sphere that is embodied in what we would typically call the church. Mm-hmm. But it's in the places that we work. It's the places that we habituate and spend many times 50, 60 hours of our week day in and day out. That's really where we're called, and that's some of the things we, I'd like to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Right, and so what I'm hearing you say in that is we, we do talk about hands and being the hands and feet of the Lord, but so often that is in um, serving somebody who is down and out or, or fulfilling mm-hmm. some of the outreach programs of the church. And what you seem to be saying is, yes, but there's another way in which we are the hands and feet, and that is out in our workplaces. I, I would say uh, it's an additional way, not an, an other way. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little semantical, but hey, I'm an academic, right? <laughs> You've got to call these things out. Uh, let, me, let me give a quick history lesson. The mm. academic is speaking here. There's a philosophy or an attitude towards work. There's really two major, there's a dichotomy, two major fields. One of these philosophies comes from the, the Greeks and the Romans, the Greco-Roman world. The other one comes from the ancient Hebrews. And the Greco-Roman world viewed work as something that was to be avoided. If you were really a valuable member of society, you didn't work. That's what slaves did. Mm-hmm. The valuable members of society, that, those that were in politics, those that were in education, those were the philosophers that were sitting on the mountaintop thinking great thoughts, uh, they were more important to humanity. They were a higher value to humanity, and work was just something that was done to support their Mm -hmm. abilities to do these greater things. The ancient Hebrews had a very different philosophy. In fact, if you really wanted to serve God as a a Jew, you had a problem if you weren't born in the right tribe. If you weren't a Levite, how did you really serve God? You couldn't be what we would call a minister today or say a, a pastor or an evangelist. That was prescribed by your DNA. Right. So... How do you look at the Bible? How do you see the words in Genesis that says, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over the earth? Take these concepts and apply them through worship to God if you're not a Levite. Well, the Jewish mindset came to understand that the work that they do is really worship. In fact, the Hebrew word avodah, depending on its context, is translated either work or worship. And in the Hebrew mind, it was two sides of the same coin. They were not, they were not separated in any way, shape, or form. And we see that all the way back in Genesis 1, where God, before the fall, said to Adam, work this garden. I gave you this really awesome place with all these awesome raw materials. And I put within you this image of me, and part of that image is to be creative. So take that creative image, take this raw material I provide you, and go to work. And it was through our work that we worship God, if you're the ancient Jew. Now, the modern American has a Greco-Roman view, and I will Mm -hmm. say most in the church we work for the weekend. Uh, right. IOIO, so off to work I go. Uh, it, looks, it becomes a necessary evil instead of something that we can actually express not only love for God, but true worship for God. I really like that symbolism of the flip side of the coin, work and worship. That really helps you hold that concept in your mind while we work to change our attitudes to mm-hmm. match. And that goes back to... Um, what you were saying early on, Lee, about the sacred-secular divide. Um, it's not as if we were to picture a, uh, a pizza and our spiritual life is one little slice out of that pizza and the rest of it is our recreation right. and our family life mm-hmm. and our work life and everything else. But really, um, who we are and our calling, back to the, the word for the day, 
and uh, the sacred secular divide is that we are called all the time to honor God and to bless others. And uh, so that the being at, in the workplace, uh, the, the whole pizza is uh, it's all spiritual for us. You know, if we have been redeemed, if we are one of God's kids, we are Christ followers, then our whole life, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And the other term you used was the Sunday Monday gap. So how does what we acquire uh, on Sunday morning, whether it's a sermon or inspiration or a Bible study or whatever it might be, how does that carry over into Monday, presuming that that's, that's the workday? Um, a story that I have is a pastor who tells that as he was uh, greeting people after, after church as they were heading out the door, he was shaking hands with them, and one nice lady said, nice, a nice uh, sermon, pastor. And he said to her, well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> Meaning, if she were to live it out, and if the mm-hmm. others of the church were to live it out, then it would be a good sermon. Otherwise, it's just head knowledge, or it's just preaching, or it's, you know, so it's very critical. And that's what we're going to get into, is this whole concept of taking who we are in Christ into the workplace, wherever we are. And, it, you know, it also our recreation and hobbies and everything else, but we're focusing on the workplace uh, for now. So I know that you've told a story a few times, and I'd like to hear it uh, for our listeners about uh, about Luther and the shoemaker. Sure, it's, uh, that's a great story. Uh, Luther was a interesting person. He could go very, very long and very deep, and he can and also go very short and, and speak volumes. The, the story you're bringing up is is representative of a lot of what happened in the Reformation. Luther, Calvin, the early reformers rediscovered what we're talking about here. It was kind of lost to the church. And it was the idea of vocation or calling. The concept of the priesthood of all believers comes out of this story I'm going to tell you, Mm -hmm. among other things. There was a shoemaker that came to know God through Luther's preaching and was in Luther's parish. I mean, what an exciting place to be, be a congregant in his his parish. He comes up to the the great reformer and says, essentially, what do I need to do to really serve God? And you can kind of implicit in some of the after stories that have come about, you can kind of sense this fellow was thinking, all right, I need to give up what I'm doing and go do something else. Because after all, I'm just a shoemaker. And personally, I felt the same way. I sometimes thought I need to give up all this stuff and go to the mission field to really serve God. So I resonate with the story. Well, shoemaker says, what do I need to do to really serve God? And Luther looked at him and said, build a good shoe and sell it for a fair price. That was his answer. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? Well, when we start unpacking that, we start to understand there's a huge depth to the theology of that statement, and it plays right into what we're talking about today. You know, God in his scripture says, I sustain all things. When you read that, we as Christians tend to, Western Christians tend to spiritualize that, and yeah, he sustains our spirituality, but he also sustains the material world. He created us as material beings, he placed us on a material world, and the sustenance when he says all, includes the material world. And you got to ask this question, doesn't the world need good shoes? And to many people, the idea of God providing good shoes for humanity, that's important to God? Well, yeah, we talk about it and we say, yeah, sure. Logically, we, we, we understand that. But when you realize that that's part of the overall sustaining that God has for the universe, we start to see that the, those efforts of, say, that shoemaker in a very different light. Luther preached later and called that little vignette into, uh, into his illustration, and he mentioned, he said, if this shoemaker had left his work and became a priest, he said that would have been a good thing. God would have blessed it. I mean, being a priest is a good 
godly thing. He said, but it would have been a lesser calling. He said, leaving the cobbler's bench and going into the priesthood for that individual would have been pursuing a lesser calling. That's a significant thing to realize Mm -hmm. that God, in his sovereignty, has gifted us with passions and talents and skills, and they are vast and different across the population. And when you understand that he did that purposely because he needs to sustain all things to be true to his word, we start to realize that, wow, I can build a shoe and really serve God. That's a revolutionary concept to so many people. Right. And you can fill in that blank, whatever the occupation is of our listeners. They can say, I can do whatever it is, you know, manage a store or a department or go to work at the factory or whatever else and still serve God. And not only, a template. not only be serving God, but pursuing the highest calling God has for your life. The highest mm. calling, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got a story I want to tell you, and we'll do that right after the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Life is a journey, and it really helps to have a roadmap, especially during your golden years of life. There are at least 80 senior living communities and 1,100 adult care homes in just the greater Portland-Vancouver metro area. At no cost to you or your family, you can plan now for the right fit for yourself or loved ones. Golden Placement Services is the roadmap to your new home. In four simple steps, assessment, research, touring, and follow-up, the Golden Girls will help you prepare for the next part of your journey. We found Golden Placement Services to be very helpful to us in locating a care facility for our father. They asked good questions to ascertain what kind of facility we were looking for. We were taken to a few homes that fit the criteria we were seeking, and we're very happy with the care our dad's receiving from the facility found for us by Golden Placements. Visit our website at goldenplacements.com to learn more. That's goldenplacements.com or call one of the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Helping to plan a funeral for someone you love is a painful process. It's one of the most emotional things you'll ever have to do. But imagine how much grief would be spared if people planned for themselves. Though it may sound difficult or uncomfortable to even think about, the experts at Dignity Memorial Funeral Homes and Cemeteries can help with a free personal planning guide that takes you step-by-step through the process. And of course, Dignity Memorial will even help you complete your plan with the expert assistance of trained and caring advisors. There are a lot of very good reasons to plan ahead. Make sure your final wishes are respected, sparing your loved ones the added grief of planning for you and having to pay for it. If you choose to fund your plan early, you can even lock in current pricing, avoiding increases due to inflation, and take advantage of budget-friendly payments. There is a free informational seminar that includes a complimentary meal at a restaurant in your area very soon. Find out more and ask any questions you may have by calling Katie at 503-807-5715. It costs nothing to learn how you can protect your loved ones by planning ahead. Give Katie at Dignity Memorial a call today at 503-807-5715. And we're back. We certainly want to give a big thank you to our sponsors and our partners. And we want to mention the two that uh, we just heard, the spots for Dignity Memorial and Golden Placement Services. We know these people well and love them and sure recommend you get in contact with them. Also on our sponsor list is 24-7 Properties, Dan the Mortgage Man with First Priority Financial, Dream Trips, one of our new sponsors, 180 Cash Flow Strategies, and Northwest Web Creation Company. 
And then our partners that also help us a great deal, uh, Warner Pacific College, Multnomah University, represented here so well today by Lee Sellers in studio, and also uh, this radio station, KKPZ, Christian Chamber of Commerce Northwest, and Serving Our Neighbors. We have about 15 sponsors and partners that uh, make it possible for us to uh, provide this content and this information to our listeners. So thank you to all of them. So I mentioned before the break about a story I want to tell. When I was a a school teacher, I would tell the parents uh, that actually I had their kids and had influence of their kids more waking hours than they did at home. And that was absolutely true. Of course, I also uh, had a deal with them. I said, I tell you what, I'll believe half of what I hear about you if you believe half of what you hear about me. But then fast forward to when uh, when I was pastoring, and um, I knew that, it, you know, in a, in a Sunday morning time, I only had a very short amount of time, you know, a 20 or 30 minute sermon and maybe a Bible class and so forth. I mean, that was my one shot to provide influence shaping kind of influence to these folks. And I remember thinking, they're the ones that are the ministers. They're the ones that Mm -hmm. are the missionaries, so Mm -hmm. to speak, because my job is to equip them for service and for life in the workplace and at home. And that's almost an insurmountable task, you know, in one hour little time block once a week. Out of 168 hours, I get one hour. That's all I get. Uh, so they're the ones that are um, the ones that are going to be salt and light in the workplace. And so, Lee, let's get back to uh, specifically the theology of work and vocation. We touched on that a little bit, but I think there's some more. There is. We're, we're talking about, about a very deep subject that, as you said on the intro, we're just going to scratch the surface here. But we, we can pull out a couple points, I think, that are important to understand. When, when we talk about the theology of work— any theology, a study theology is, okay, we're trying to find truth. And so what's the truth about this, this, this idea of work? The, the whole idea of calling is, is changing in the current church's understanding. And this is an exciting time to be a Christian because we're reawakening the, to this. If you look at the word vocation, which means the Latin word means to call out for a purpose, if you look at that word and how it was defined historically, it's changed over the years. And prior to the Reformation, it had come to be understood that calling was just for the basically what I call the paid Christian professionals, the pastors, the priests. Uh, in, in our modern day, would be the missionaries, the evangelicals, uh, the evangelists. Uh, if you were a nun or a monk, you would be in that part in, in, before the Reformation. But calling really is to, as you said earlier, we're called all the time. We're called everywhere. So the theology work is saying, look, God gave us the command to work. God gave us the abilities to work. He gave us gifts and talents to actually make a difference in people's lives. And you're absolutely right that the missionary really is the person that's sitting in church hearing the pastor, not the other way around. Again, we understand that kind of theoretically, but we don't see that in operations. And if I could tell a quick story, uh, I saw this on a video. It was a young lady who was talking about how she's a Sunday school teacher. And your story about being a teacher reminded this uh, reminded me of this story. She said, just this last Sunday at church, I was brought up to the platform with all the other Sunday school teachers, and we were prayed for for our ministry in the Sunday school. Well, she said, I'm a, I'm a public school teacher by profession. Monday through Friday, I have 40 kids in my classroom. Sunday, I have 12 or 16. And she, she said, who do you think, where do you think I have a bigger mission field? Right. In my school with 40 kids 
broken families, divorced families, families that are hostile to Christianity, kids are not there without food, they have learning disabilities, or it's Sunday morning in a group of 12 or 16 kids that are from Christian families that are already enculturated into Christianity. She said, I believe I have a huge mission field where I work, yet I've never been called to the platform of my church and prayed for for my ministry mm. with my 40 children that I have Monday wow. through Friday. What an excellent point. And that we need to be doing that. that. Say that again. We need to be doing that. We do. And that's why I think the church has had a uh, diminishing impact mm. on culture mm. because we don't see that through our people, through the ministers of our congregation. If you have 200 people in your church, you have 200 ministers that are going to work and going to you know hobbies and going to recreational and social activities and so forth, and that is... Uh, that is where the mission can take place. If we understand our calling, I like that your explanation of that word, Lee, uh, we're called out, and that is it. It's not just for the pastor and the uh, professional paid people. And we want to get into this a little bit more, and I'm concerned about how um, irrelevant the church uh, can seem to be in our culture today. And maybe things are sort of diminishing in terms of our impact on the culture because we haven't made an intentional point of providing that influence and that that leverage or that salt and light. I know that uh, some of the older people in church will look at some of the young people and they, without, they don't have much respect for godly things and so forth. And that those older people will say, well, you are irreverent. And the young person will look back and say, well, yeah, but you're irrelevant. Mm. Little play on words, but we're mm. going to get more into that uh, in part two. Uh, this this part of our show always goes way too fast. So you want to be sure to go to our website and listen to the podcast because we're going to uh, have much more there. Our time is about up for this on-air segment, but we will be continuing the conversation with Lee Sellers with Multnomah University on the podcast portion. Go to our website, secondhalfnow.com. And uh, the title for today's show is Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. We've got some great other shows coming up. We're going to be having Brad Pendergraft. He calls his na- himself um, Brain Coach Brad. Uh, some about that on that show. Larry Whittlesey with the uh, School Partnership Network is coming in. And Al Ray with Marriage Team. All this and a lot more on future shows. So keep tuning in. Keep coming back 530 to 6 p.m. every uh, Monday right here on uh, the radio, KKPZ 1330. And you want to go to our website, Uh, of course, that's available 24-7. You can hear all of our shows, and we're uh, gradually uh, getting all the bells and whistles in place on our website. There is a lot there for you to to see and to hear. And also, most of those things are clickable, so there are uploaded resources, so you can dig a little deeper into the topics that we are uh, providing for you. So... Uh, go to uh, to hear the second part of our conversation. We're just going to continue here with Lee, but you'll have to go to the website to hear that. And you, it's available 24-7, of course, uh, secondhalfnow.com. If you have uh, questions about today's topic or want to learn more about the university, Multnomah, or want to get in touch with Lee, you can certainly do that. And if you have suggestions for other topics uh, and guests, let us know. Just go to our website and fill out a contact form, and uh, we'll get that information. And if you um, need to uh, 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 get a CD in the mail, we offer that free of charge, 503-242-1950. 
at our uh, at the station here. Thank you for listening today. Let's continue our conversation with Lee Sellers and Multnomah University on part two of our website, secondhalfnow.com. See you there. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Christian and Dr. Denise Hogan on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Sponsored by Dignity Memorial. To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com. Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on with Dr. Dan Critchett and Dr. Denise Hogan. Second Half Now, sponsored by Dignity Memorial. It's time for Second Half Now. The doctors are in. Here are your hosts, Dr. Dan and Dr. Denise. And welcome to part two of our show with the title, Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. That's our conversation today. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Dan Critchett along with our co-host, Dr. Denise Hogan. Now, this portion is uh, coming to you on a podcast, obviously, because you cannot hear this part of it on the radio. It's only here on our website, secondhalfnow.com. And uh, so you can, if you didn't hear the on-air por- portion and you want to rewind and get back to that part to get the context. But we are very pleased to have as our guest today, Lee Sellers with uh, Multnomah University. He is the founder and the chair of the business administration department, it's a whole not a whole new major. Uh, is that right, Lee? You were saying it's uh, what? How does that compare to the other majors sure. on campus? Well, actually, there's there's three pieces to it. There's a traditional business administration major. There's an accounting program as well okay. as a degree in business and organizational psychology. Say that three times quickly. Yeah, really. Okay. Right. So anyway, welcome again. Uh, we welcomed you to the uh, part one, and now we're we're back at it and. Uh, We'll continue our conversation. We're very happy to have you here to talk with us and with our listeners about the subject, Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. Well, thanks for being again with us here for part two, Lee. Um, is an accomplished person, I'm sure, has mm-hmm. a lot of things on your to-do list today. So we really appreciate the time that you're spending with us, really fleshing out um, this notion of calling and moving past, moving beyond some of these ideas that have become rooted in our culture that really aren't biblical. And uh, on the first part of our show, we were getting into the notion of clergy versus laity in terms of ministry and calling and how that is one of the um, uh, factors right now that has really caused mm-hmm. there to be a struggle for the church today to be to be relevant. And Dan, you shared a, a little story on on the other side about the young person irritating the older, who then says, "You know, young man, you're irreverent." And the young person turns to the older and says, "Well, at least I'm not irrelevant." And so I think that that is a very good picture to talk about to describe one of the other factors that we really have existing in our church today, and that is not just the Sunday-Monday gap or the sacred-secular divide, but divisions between the different groups of people, Mm -hmm. age groups, 
particularly in our churches. So will you um, share with us your perspective, Lee, on how the state of the church today, so to speak, is impacting the notion of our calling or our vocation? Certainly. Um, I, I want to put a little disclaimer out there. I'm not a theologian. I'm a business guy who happens to be a Christian. Uh, and this is much, much of what I'm going to talk about is is coming from my research in this area and my personal life. So uh, feel free to disagree with me and, and get a hold of me. I would love to chat with people. Uh, I want to say before we go too much farther down this path that actually it might sound like we're bashing churches a little bit here and bas- bash- smashing pastors. And we're really not. I'm, I'm going to jump in and answer your question here in a second, Dr. Denise. But I want to tell you, in the last month, I've probably been in 15 or 20 different sessions, seminars, group meetings with groups of people that are predominantly pastors and seminary professors who are realizing that this is an issue. And these pastors in particular have a deep heart for their congregations, mm-hmm. and they want to figure out how to bridge these gaps. And so they're working with it, and they're wrestling with it. So it's not like all is lost, woe is the world. Right. The church is waking up and realizing that we've missed the mark in some spots. And, mm-hmm. and every, every generation misses the mark. Every organization misses the mark somewhere. And that, that's not the problem. The problem is if we don't do something about it right. once we realize there's an issue. The pastors, well... The big struggle, and it's almost hard to articulate in a very short period, the big struggle is this is so endemic in our culture and our language that we really are not even aware of these issues many times. We hear issues, for instance, where a a pastor leaves preaching and goes and takes a vocational job, and we say he left the ministry. Mm. Well, if we really believe that ministry is for all, the priesthood of all believers, we're all called and we have ministry, that language is in direct opposition to that philosophy of all of us being called. So that's just one example how it's just pervasive in our thinking, and we see it in our language. So we're not going to solve it here. We're not going to really even scratch the surface, but we are getting to this point where pastors in particular are realizing that I've got to somehow take what God has called me to do as a pastor— and inflame the souls of people that are in the pews and say, hey, I'm called to. And it's happening. Their churches are dealing with it. Pastors and seminaries are dealing with it. So it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time. This is one of the reasons, though, I think that the church has become irrelevant in so many ways. The typical person at work looks at what happens at church and goes, eh, whatever. It has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change how I think, what I do, how I act. And a lot of those people that say that are Christians themselves. They right. really don't see how what happens in church on Sunday connects. And I think part of the problem is that the church has become not only complacent to the idea of ministry and, and mission for the, each individual, but we've become, and we were talking about this in the break, invitational versus incarnational. Christ was incarnate. He came to the world in a way that the world could understand. He, he became flesh. We're called as Christians to go out to the world and preach the gospel, and we never water that down. But we've got to put that gospel in a form that the people that are receiving the message can understand. And too often in churches we say, come to our church. We invite. Mm-hmm. Come to our church. Hear a sermon the way we like to preach it. Uh, hear music how we like to play it. You know, Dress the way we like to have you dress. And most of the world's going, ah, no thanks. Right. Mm-hmm. But... If we become incarnational and we understand that God has called me to be a graphic artist or an accountant or an auto mechanic, and in the process of that, he's going to put me 
40 or 50 hours a week in front of dozens and dozens of people that have never heard the gospel, I have an incredible opportunity to be this salt and light that we strive to be. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, and the church is waking up to realizing that we want to be relevant into the culture. We need to go out into the culture. We need to reach them where they're at, not expect them to come to us. And we need to equip believers with not only the understanding that they're called, but then the tools and skills so that when they're out there, they can actually effectively preach the gospel, not just with the words that they do, but the way they run their businesses and their lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. That is, as uh, you said earlier, uh, Dr. Dan, we're called all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that means driving down the road. That means sitting in the cafe, cafeteria where I might be having coffee with a friend or you know, sitting at my desk counseling a student. I'm called to be there. And there's a mm-hmm. sovereign God that wants me to do something sp- specific with those times. And that specific thing he wants me to do either calls glory to his name or expands his kingdom. That's such a, it's so important that I, I really appreciate you honing in everywhere all the time. Right, because that really is what we are hearing in our congregations. The pastors are very, very clear on us being consistent in who we are, and so I, I really hear what you're saying is as in a, in a way um, providing people with a way to make sure that they are mm-hmm. being obedient to God all the time. If they are looking at that person sitting across from them, that they are helping in whatever way they are. Maybe it's you know, putting the gas in the tank. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to be in that moment. If you're thinking that my workplace is my calling, there's a way for me to be right now, regardless of how I'm feeling or how that person might be acting towards me. Hmm, this is my calling. I have to remember that, and I have to represent. I think that is one of the most important ideas that people could get in their mind that would lead to a significant change in the way people look at the at their church and faith involvement. And that's the key, how they look at it. Yeah. And that leads me to my story about my friends, Paul and Carla. Mm. They got it a long time ago, and this goes back 20 years at least. Uh, they were part of our church planting team. And uh, they would say things like this. They were both professionals, both worked at, you know in the workplace and so forth. And, and uh, they both said if someone asked them, Uh, particularly at church, what would you do or what kind of job do you have? And uh, they would say, uh, well, I am an ambassador of the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as an accountant (laughs) or (laughs) cleverly disguised as an auto mechanic or a graphic artist, going back to Lee's illustrations. Uh, But they they knew that that was their calling. They knew that that was the definition of who they are, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ cleverly disguised as, and then fill in your job, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. occupation you have, that's what you are. And in Scripture, I can't remember the which one right now, but it says, work heartily unto the Lord yeah. and not unto men. Yeah. In all that we do, we are serving the Lord. And if, and if, and if we're called to do our voc- mm-hmm. vocation and we are obedient to do that, we are in the Lord's will. Well, in, in all that we do, there's that word all again. It's mm-hmm. not just a spiritual meaning to that scripture. There's the material, the physical world too. Right. Right. The uh, Talk to any pastor for any length of time and ask. You, get, you can get in a conversation where they'll tell you some stories where once they were discovered to be a pastor, a man of the cloth, uh, the whole relationship changed with the people they were mm-hmm. talking to. That, yep. mm-hmm. that, that's just a common common story to anybody. Even even in my role at Multnomah, now that I'm at a Christian university, a biblical university, that crops up. 
The interesting thing, though, is many times our most effective witness is not leading with the gospel, not walking in there with the cross and the Bible, but just going in and being a good servant to your employer, your employees, your vendors, whoever they happen to be. The, the whole concept, we don't have time to scratch into this one at all, but the whole concept of common grace is what we're really talking mm-hmm. about here. And the beauty of that is if you are living in a common grace-filled mentality at your work, you've been with this, these people 30, 40 hours a week. They've seen you, the good, the bad, the ugly, how you respond to stress. Mm-hmm. And then one day Joe walks in and you look at Joe and say, Joe, what, is something wrong? You sense something about him because you know this guy. And Joe mm-hmm. says, yes. And then he fills in the blank with the divorce or the bankruptcy mm-hmm. or the child that's sick or fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. Do you think you have an opportunity to speak in that person's life? Right. You absolutely do. You have an opportunity to speak in their life in a way that's f- no professional Christian will really ever have because there's those barriers. And, and pastors understand this. We put so many, so many burdens on our pastors. We expect them to be the salt and light out there. And, and in my theology, this is theology according to Lee, Okay, but my theology, that's not a pastor's role. The pastor's role is to equip me, people like me who sit in the pews, right. to go out and do that. Right. To expect them to shepherd their flock as well as be everything out there in the culture is, is just it's untenable. It's not possible. Exactly. But we want to impact culture? Think about that. If even, even half the people that sit in the pews every Sunday in Portland area understand what we're talking about and start living this way, what do you think would happen to the Portland region mm-hmm. in, in just months, you would see a, a transformational yeah, thing totally. occur. That's right. Yeah, because the pastor's role, when, it, when I look out at my congregation, if I'm preaching and teaching and, and fellowshipping among these people, I know that they are going places I can't go, and they are meeting people I will never meet. They are the, the hands and the feet. They are the ones. Okay. And here's an amazing statistic. Uh, it is known and it, through a variety of studies, including my own, in a variety of different cultures and settings and, and countries that 90% of all Christians have come to Christ and the local church through the influence of family and friends, and that includes in the workplace. And so when you build, when you are um, a light shining in the workplace and you're building relationships, that's a bridge. So when you talk about building bridges and planting seeds, that's your role. And uh, back to the, uh, the word that we started with at the beginning, Denise, about the, the, the word for the day of being calling. So your calling is to be in that workplace, not just to hide, not just to mm. certainly not hide your, your light under a bushel, but to be relevant to that culture and to that environment and to build relationships and to, to show caring and compassion and love and expertise and uh, a high work ethic and the, all those kinds of things. But if that's the bridge of personal relationships, then you have the opportunity when that comes up, when the child is sick or when there's a, a divorce or a bankruptcy or whatever it might be, because you have already built a bridge of relationship. And that's absolutely power. That's how the kingdom of God is built, is through that, the bridge of relationships. Well, can I throw in a little plug for the businessman here? <laughs> Since I Please. Am one. If you look historically, uh, the spread of the gospel in the very early centuries, it followed the trade routes. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, a few of those folks were sent missionaries, but mm-hmm. the vast majority of them were tradespeople who happened to bump into somebody, discover this whole concept about being saved, the risen Christ. And, and I'm being a little, little sarcastic just to kind of drive the point home here. But they became believers, and then they went about their business— traveling those trade routes, and right. along the way they planted the seeds with other right. people. They built right. the relationships. Right. Uh, you can go 
we have the Great Commission that says, go to the ends of the, world, ends of the earth and preach the gospel. Well, we haven't done that yet as a church. There's far too many places that have never been touched. There's limited access nations. There's absolutely restricted access nations to Christians. Yet you can go anywhere in the world and say the word Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. and everyone will know what you're talking about. Coca-Cola has gone to the ends of the earth. Wow. You know, the business, business is a methodology that allows us to move ideas. And, of course, we do that in marketing to sell a product or a service, but we can also use those same type of principles to sell this thing that we call this, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What a great point. What a great point. Coca-Cola is, yeah. is known worldwide, yeah. right? You know, I'm thinking of what you're saying and, and just, you know, this whole notion of viewing your workplace as your mission field. You know, and the folks that you're going to come up against that you've already built that relationship mm-hmm. with just as missionaries have to do out out and about mm-hmm. they can't go to a mission field and immediately get to to work preaching the gospel and bringing people to Christ they have to build a relationship mm-hmm. and so i just really am struck by the power of the point that you have made, that here's a place you go to every single day for mm-hmm. most of us, and those relationships are getting built automatically because everyone has to show up. Right. My- and the moment will come for your mission to be, boom, right mm-hmm. there in front of you. Right. God will provide it. And even if it's not you observing a, a problem or a trouble or a concern on the part of your work partner, mm-hmm. it might be that person saying to you, you know, there's something different about you. Right. Mm-hmm. What exactly. is that? Right. Because I know that you're going through a tough time, you know, c- mm-hmm. because we all mm-hmm. do anyway. Mm-hmm. And if we are transparent enough and if we have built a relationship, some people will say to us, what, what is it that's different about you? Mm-hmm. I see something different. Tell right. me about that. What an opportunity. Right. Well, if, if we understand what we're talking about, we will be the best employees, the best leaders, the best uh, Right. bosses possible. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Christians in the workplace have a reputation of being other than that. And I think that goes back to the whole Greco-Roman view of work. Uh, if you view the work that way, it's very, very hard for you to rise to levels of excellence. But if you understand work's your worship, and this is how I mm-hmm. worship God, then uh, then I will be the best that's there. And you will open doors. People will see you differently and start asking those questions. And then you have, you have a way to speak into their minds and their hearts that you would never have in any other, other way. Right. Absolutely. And it's very important that we get right down to the practical application. In other words, for a listener that's thinking, okay, I, I get what you're saying, but what actually can I do? Help me some more with that. We're going to get into that right after the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Life is a journey, and it really helps to have a roadmap, especially during your golden years of life. There are at least 80 senior living communities and 1,100 adult care homes in just the greater Portland-Vancouver metro area. At no cost to you or your family, you can plan now for the right fit for yourself or loved ones. Golden Placement Services is the roadmap to your new home. In four simple steps, assessment, research, touring, and follow-up, the Golden Girls will help you prepare for the next part of your journey. We found Golden Placement Services to be very helpful to us in locating a care facility for our father. They asked good questions to ascertain what kind of facility we were looking for. We were taken to a few homes that fit the criteria we were seeking, and we're very happy with the care our dad's receiving from the facility found for us by Golden Placements. Visit our website at goldenplacements.com to learn more. That's goldenplacements.com or call one of the Golden Girls at 503 503- 
503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Helping to plan a funeral for someone you love is a painful process. It's one of the most emotional things you'll ever have to do. But imagine how much grief would be spared if people planned for themselves. Though it may sound difficult or uncomfortable to even think about, the experts at Dignity Memorial Funeral Homes and Cemeteries can help with a free personal planning guide that takes you step-by-step through the process. And of course, Dignity Memorial will even help you complete your plan with the expert assistance of trained and caring advisors. There are a lot of very good reasons to plan ahead. Make sure your final wishes are respected, sparing your loved ones the added grief of planning for you and having to pay for it. If you choose to fund your plan early, you can even lock in current pricing, avoiding increases due to inflation, and take advantage of budget-friendly payments. There is a free informational seminar that includes a complimentary meal at a restaurant in your area very soon. Find out more and ask any questions you may have by calling Katie at 503-807-5715. It costs nothing to learn how you can protect your loved ones by planning ahead. Give Katie at Dignity Memorial a call today at 503-807-5715. Well, welcome back. We're in the studio here talking with Lee Sellers on the subject. I lost my note. Where is it? It's um, Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. And I want to make sure that I give a big thanks to our sponsors and partners. In addition to the two spots that you just heard, we have 24-7 properties, uh, First Priority Financial, Dream Trips, 180 Cash Flow Strategies, Northwest Web Creation Company, and our partners, Warner Pacific College, Multnomah University, KKPZ, this radio station, Christian Chamber of Commerce Northwest, and Serving Our Neighbors. And uh, I did say before the break that we're going to talk about the practical application. How is it that a person who's hearing us, how can, how can you look at your life and your workplace and say, okay, uh, if I want to make a difference, what will I do? Now, before we get there, we do want to talk a little bit about the millennials uh, because um, there is a tremendous impact of that generation on the church and on the culture and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of power there. And we want to uh, discuss that for a little bit. So, Denise, I know this is a, a favorite area of yours. You have a lot of uh, passion and a lot of uh, interest in this. So how, how would we approach that subject? Well, I think that um, um, some of the things that we've been talking about today particularly are relevant to our young people because I think that they would catch the the gist of what Lee's saying and would be ready to rock and roll if they had a sense of what it is that they're mm. being called to do. Right. That's the thing I see with our young people is they're they're really quite lost as a generation of knowing how to figure out what to do with their life. What should I what major should I pursue? All of those kinds of questions and if they're lost in that there's a whole lot of energy that's being wasted. It's just in idle. And so what I'm hoping, Lee, is that you will have something for us today to help inspire anyone who works with young people. Well, Dr. Denise, you're, you're right in that the millennials, a huge amount of research supports the fact that millennials are very interested in those superordinate 
type of goals, those things that are above and beyond them. They just desperately want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And that's true to some extent in every generation, but it's really pronounced with this one. And unfortunately, they're not finding it right now. There's not a lot of things that are out there that they can um, just fall into and, and, and apply their passions towards. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people are scratching their heads. Why are all these young Europeans flocking to ISIS or ISIL or whatever you want to call the Islamic movement? Well, because they see something that's bigger than themselves, and they're being welcomed there, and so they go. So, well, it's an exciting time. I I use a a video series called Poverty Cure. A group called Acton Institute puts it out. It's a phenomenal uh, DVD series. talks about how to deal with poverty in the third world. And I start my economics courses with this Poverty Cure series. And the reason is, fundamentally, if you take spirituality out, and, and granted, I understand you really cannot do that, but for the sake of argument, if you take spirituality out of this situation and look at the problem of the world, 85 90% of them are, are economic in nature. So economics absolutely speaks into poverty and your understanding of economics. So they see how economics plays into poverty, and they see that there's solutions available through sound economic reasoning and practices, they get excited about what is jokingly called in the business world the dismal science. And anyone who's taken an econ class knows why they call it the dismal science. It could be very, very grinding to go through some of that material. Yet it gives them motivation to get through the material because they can see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. My situation, I I think about myself. If I had known when I had my real estate business what I know now, it would have been so much more intentional and so different in how I approached my business. And I'm not regretting that I didn't learn that then. You, You can't live your life that way. But I realized that, wow, if I can take these 20-somethings coming out with a bachelor's degree in business and they hit the ground with this understanding, they're connected to this bigger picture, what a difference that can make in the culture. And they are so, so excited when they see something that's bigger than them. They just, just, they just love it and they connect with it in a big way. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get down to the, uh, the practical aspects. So whether it's a millennial or a boomer or a beyonder listening to us, and they'll say, okay, I understand the concept of being salt and light in the workplace, having an influence, building relationships, uh, you know, honoring God with my life wherever I am. And today talking about at work, um, what what should I know or what how, what do I do? What how do I approach this whole this whole area that I, I you couldn't see it since this is radio. I started to kind of snicker a little bit when he said that, because. If you'd asked that question five or ten years ago, it would have been a very difficult thing to answer. Today, it's still difficult to answer, but now it's because there's so many resources as opposed to so little before. Right. I would say, just just right off, contact me. I'm very very approachable, very happy to talk to folks. Uh, the website, you can put my contact info on the website, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very happy to direct you to resources. There are... Uh, there are, are groups of Christians that are dealing with this. There are institutes and foundations that are dealing with this. There, there's a lot of resources out there, and they're not widely known because they really haven't had time to have traction in the greater community. But there's a huge amount of resources. So if anything that you hear today resonates with you, talk to me. I'd be very happy to point you to books and groups and websites. And there, there, there is an answer for your question out there, no doubt. Yeah, in fact, you mentioned, uh, uh, I put a link on our website under the um, description of this show. Uh, if they click on uh, on your name, it'll mm-hmm. show up your bio page from okay. the Multnomah uh, website. It doesn't have contact info. Well, it does have your website on there, but not a phone. But anyway, okay. they, they can get in touch with you. Sure. Perfect. Okay. And 
I can give my phone number right now if yeah, that's let's okay. Do that. Sure. 503-251-6423. Is that direct to your office? That's direct to that... my office. Uh, this time of year, I'm out more than I'm in doing meetings, and so I'll go to voicemail most likely, but within a day or so, I'll get back to you. Good. Let's hear that again. 503-251-6423. Excellent. And I'll, I'll tell our listeners, too, that, Lee, you are very approachable and just a wealth of information and encouragement um, you're not one that just says, well, this is what you ought to be doing, so go do it. Uh, a lot of help, come alongside kind of thing, a very professorial sort of approach, and I really appreciate that. Well, you know, the other thing too, Dan, is we were chuckling before we got started today in that our paths keep crossing leaves. Yeah, exactly. So what that tells me is he is out there in the community trying to trying to bring this message out to the broader audience. And I really appreciate that because it's certainly one that needs to be heard. Yeah, and I think we've talked about um, how does this message get to pastors. So because the pastors can be the instigators of this vision, they're the ones that can say, folks, I mean, there's a hundred of you here or a thousand of you here. You are the missionaries. The pastors can carry that message. And I think I've asked you this about uh, is there a way or will there be developing a way to, uh, to inspire and equip pastors to be the equipping people that we need to be to uh, plant that vision and that, uh, that, um, that mission into the minds of our people? Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. I'm very connected with two, and I know of three other large national okay. institutes great. that are focused specifically on this. They're well-funded. They're great think tanks. They have resources, material, training. In fact, in two days, I'll be at a session, a monthly session, where a group of pastors who is dealing with this, uh, this will be the fourth out of uh, a 12-month program mm. where they, they come, we deal with these issues, unpack them, and then they take them back to their congregation. They come back and say, here's the results. So there are learning communities out there that will support pastors and, and, and just regular individual business people like me. So- right. And I guess I want to just continue to wave the flag of uh, if you're thinking about um, uh, understanding what this concept means and, and wondering how you can grow in this area of your life, uh, reach out, uh, rewind the tape. That's kind of old school, isn't it, to <laughs> rewind the uh, the digital podcast here, the iTunes, however you're listening, and, and catch uh, Lee's phone number. Or just go to our website, secondhalfnow.com, and uh, fill out a contact form, and we'll make sure that Lee gets the, uh, the request of information. And uh, we'll hook you up with him. And Denise and I are available also. Might be a good time, too, to mention that participating in the Christian Chamber would be a great way to get your business involved in some of the um, projects and ideas going around. Now, that's an excellent point. If uh, any of our listeners are not members of the Chamber, uh, that would be a very good point of encouragement for how can you be salt and light in the business you own or you're a department head or something like that. So... We also want to make sure we have an opportunity to talk about Multnomah briefly, Lee, uh, because uh, I've been in, uh, a Portland resident almost all of my life and have high regard for what used to be called uh, Multnomah School of the Bible, mm-hmm. and I know there's been some morphing and transitioning, uh, but tell us a little bit about uh, for parents or grandparents of young people who are thinking about college now, Sure, um, uh, give us a pitch for Multnomah. Well, it actually started as Multnomah Bible Institute 77 years ago and then grew and developed more programs and became a college. Uh, 2007, I believe it was, uh, we took on the name University. And just a quick rabbit trail dropped any reference to Christianity in our title because foreign missionaries 
request that. Trying to get into these limited access nations, if you have a transcript mm-hmm. that says Bible on it, you're immediately dropped. And mm-hmm. that's why many Christian universities have dropped the word Christian from their title, simply because one of the major constituents of our university are obviously missionaries. They requested it. Uh, we've grown to a full-blown uh, university now. We have 22 different career fields. We have built upon a foundation of biblical and theological training that's second to none in the area, and that will never go away. So the Bible Institute is still there. The Bible College is still there, but it's been layered on with many other aspects of, of training, history and psychology and counseling and uh, English and uh, pastoral studies. We, we have a full gamut. We're a full-blown university now, but our roots are deep, deep, deep back into that Bible Institute movement, and they, everything flows from the Scripture, and everything that we do is informed by Scripture, and we teach our students through the incredibly complex Bible and theology core to make these decisions for their life based on Scripture. How, if I'm a business person, how do I do a marketing plan that's different than the regular world because I understand what Christ and the Bible says about right. how I'm supposed to live my life, Fantastic. and that's true in any one of the disciplines that are there. Mm-hmm. Well, we're down to final words, and our topic is Christians in the Workplace, God's Holy Calling. Lee, any final thing you'd like to leave us with? I would guess, uh, actually, I hadn't thought about that question, uh, but what pops into my mind is, is if you're a Christian and you cannot get up in the morning and say, I get to go to work, you have to say, I have to go to work. I think mm-hmm. there's something in what we've talked about today you need to examine. And it may be your attitude needs to change and be more aligned with God. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a growth way. Or it may be you're in the wrong line of work, but it's something that you should probably pursue prayerfully and get some guidance from the Spirit and, and other people. Because if you, as a Christian, we should be excited about what we do. Well, he's promised. The Scripture says, mm-hmm. my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Right. That doesn't sound like somebody going to work and dreading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salt and light, that's our calling. Christians in the workplace, God's holy calling. Lee with Multnomah University. Lee Sellers, thanks again for being with us today. Thanks for putting up with me. Yeah. You come back again sometime? Certainly. Yeah, there's more. I know there's more, right? We will put up with you again. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so for more information, go to our website, secondhalfnow.com. Fill in a, a contact form and submit that. Uh, we'll be happy to respond to any of your questions or suggestions. And if you would like a uh, free CD of this show, call the radio station 503-242-1950. And that's the program for today. Tune in every Monday on the radio for the on-air portion, 530 to 6 p.m. KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Then go to the website for part two and all of our other shows. Those, of course, available 24-7. So uh, uh, we have a new website up with bells and whistles, so check it out. Give us some feedback and uh, suggestions or comments, any of that. So together we are building a resource that is valuable for all of us. And uh, thank you for listening today. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, along with co-host Dr. Denise Hogan, and saying again thank you to our guest in studio, Lee Stellars with Multnomah University. So we're saying goodbye for now, and until next time, may God help you live a life that honors Him and blesses others. Let's meet again right here on the website or live next Monday, 5.30 to 6 p.m. on the radio, KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Critchett and Dr. Denise Hogan on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Sponsored by Dignity Memorial. 
To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com.